This is the Matt Townsend Show. Uh, it's, it's these interruptions that are there to teach you the lessons we need to live. Your guide on the side. What creates higher trust for you and the people around you? This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm Liana Tan, here to give you some of Matt's best tidbits to help you live healthier, happier lives. Have you ever been trying to talk to someone and you look over and see that they're just playing on their phone or you ask for some help from your kids or your family member and they just yell back at you to talk to them during the next commercial break? Technology and media is a huge part of the age we live in and it has helped aid a lot of people and solve a lot of problems. But just like anything in life, too much of it can be detrimental. And one of the goals of this show is to help you find balance in everything, including technology and media consumption. So today we're going to address a problem that I think every household faces, that people are constantly turning towards technology to cope with and manage their lives instead of dealing with real-life relationships and the reality that they live in. So we're going to listen to this interview with Jill Manning about the pros and cons of technology and how we can avoid the potential threats technology can bring into our homes. And you also wrote a book entitled, What's the Big Deal About Pornography? Is that's You wrote that as well, right? I did, for parents and teens. Well, I mean, are we just overreacting? Are we just a bunch of old people saying, these kids and their newfangled <laughs> technology? Well, you know, I, I listened to your introduction, and I, I'm glad you mentioned that technology is a great thing. It's yep. powerful. And there's so many ways to take advantage of it, and, and I'm certainly um, in favor of it. I, it. It benefits my life every single day and makes so many things so much easier to do and to accomplish. But there is, there is a darker side to it as well, where it can get out of balance and it can cause problems for people when it's not being used in a way that enhances one's life. Yeah. Is, is there such a thing as, a tech, as an addiction to some of this technology? Is that real, or are we just throwing another word that we like to use? Oh, you know, I I have concerns with how the term addiction is used. I mean, there's a clinical term that's real. Yeah, talk about that. Well, because an addiction, you know, for those who really are struggling with addictions, I think in some ways it uh, makes light of how serious that is for people that have been really diagnosed and are struggling in in the thick of that. Um, Addictions are real; they are serious. Um, and, and I think when we use that as a large net to cast on a whole bunch of different behaviors, we, we do everyone a disservice. Now, with that said, I do believe, um, even though there isn't a, a DSM-4 uh, classification for technology addiction, that we can certainly become compulsive with it yeah. and even neurotic with it. <laughs> you know, I was on a flight from Denver to Salt Lake City just a few weeks ago, and as soon as that flight attendant says, you can turn on your... Uh, devices now. Everyone. Yeah, it's <laughs> everyone like a mad you. rush. It's this mad rush. I mean, we're not even out of the plane yet, and it's this mad rush to turn everything on. And we've only been in the air an hour and 12 minutes. Isn't that crazy? It is. We can become really neurotic with this. Do you remember That's when why... we used to just go days not worrying about a letter, not worrying oh. about our email? I mean, we didn't have anything. We had a pacemaker. Well, I, that used to be the only technology you'd be able to sport around was your pacemaker. Well, that's right. And, and see, now we have 20, 24-7 access oh. to pretty much anything. And it's bred this whole mentality and culture, really, of instant everything. And we've become a people that really do not know how to wait for anything, really. Yeah. And um, it, it's, that, that's causing a whole spinoff of, of other other problems. Yeah, there used to be anticipation, right? I mean, you used to be able to, and and I think that was, you know, the marshmallow study at Stanford and all of those things that used to talk about your ability to delay gratification was a pretty good indicator of some of your other levels of success. Right. But we don't, I guess we don't have to do that anymore. We can just, you know, order it on Amazon and overnight it. Well, you know, I think this is such a terrific week to discuss this topic because Black Friday is coming up this yes. week. Yep. And you know, this whole topic of not being able to wait, we can't even wait for a Black Friday sale yeah. now. They're starting now. You know, it, just today I'm receiving emails. Black, yeah, pre-Black Black Friday. Friday sale starting now. Oh, that is so <laughs> messed up. I mean, really, right. we, we, yeah, we can't even get through the holiday 
Just let's just get through Thanksgiving. Well, no, let's start it in the about six o'clock on Thanksgiving Eve. I mean, that's crazy. Exactly. That's um, I, I've even noticed my neighbors are already starting turning on their their lights for Christmas. And I'm, they don't know that in the neighborhood we've made a rule that you don't do that. But these are people that are jumping the gun. Well, I don't know your thoughts on this, but it just seems there's this larger pattern of us not being able to be present mm-hmm. and just enjoy and savor what's right in front of us or where we are right now. Right. And, um, you know, I hope we'll talk about this in a little while. Yeah. Savoring the moment, cherishing the moment, and especially, more importantly, cherishing people and and those opportunities to connect and to talk and discuss and and be with people in the moment. This is a holiday to talk. This is a holiday to reconnect with people you haven't seen. To hang out with your family and your friends and your in-laws. And it's a, it's a holiday for that. And yet I'm pretty sure my kids will all have some device in their hands. And unless we say something or make an effort to, you know, to take away some of the technology or to alter how they use it, they would just naturally probably be drawn to it. We all would. When you bring up an excellent point, you know, what kind of example and tone are we setting as adults? in our families with media. What do our children see? Are they seeing us zoned out and tuned in, um, you know, throughout a day? And and how does that set them up to believe that, oh, you know, that's just how we do life? Yeah, this is how we do it. Yeah, right. Um, So I I hope we can talk more about that. Yeah, in fact, I really do. Tell me, um, what else is this doing to us? I mean, I guess it's impacting our ability to not be able to communicate, maybe, to not be present. How else does, uh, you know, this, this tendency to constantly go to a technology instead of maybe relationship and deal with reality, how does that impact us mentally? Oh, boy, that, that is a big conversation. That's a, that's a really um, loaded question because it has so many spinoffs. And, you know, some of this is so new that it's going to take us time. We don't even know, really... do we? Yeah, there's a lot of this we don't know, really, how it's impacting us individually, as families, marriages, and as a society. Uh, just earlier this year in February, actually, there was a study released from the Booth Business School in Chicago. Mm. And what they found was that people had less self-control uh, related to social media and Twitter than they did with cigarettes and alcohol. You're kidding. That's right. That people had, um, they were tweeting and checking emails and and having less self-control and resistance with that than they did resisting cigarette smoking and alcohol. Isn't that? I guess we don't even and we don't we don't even think about that. But it, that's scary. And I mean, so to me, yeah, that's scary. It really is scary. And you know, when you think of, I mean, let's just talk about some really um, more obvious consequences of this. Anyone that's driving in a car at this very moment, listening to this, I don't know about you, but. It, I feel less safe yeah. in on the road these days with texting and, and cell phones and vehicles and everything that goes with that. We know from some studies recently that people are more 23 times more likely to get in accidents when they're texting and, and on phones wow. um, in a car. I mean, th- there's some real safety risks to yeah, this, yeah. how we are using media and technology. And the, the irony for me is that um, we... We buy and use many of these devices in the name of safety. Mm-hmm. Well, what if I have an emergency and I need to contact someone? And, and I certainly understand that. Yeah. But very often those devices are causing emergencies and, and problems. Taking lives, driving, we're driving off the road, we're not paying attention. I mean, it's, I think you're right. And, and, and it, the, almost the, the thing is we, we see them as so innocent. I mean, they're in our bedrooms. It's the first thing we're waking up to. It's the last thing you're going to bed with. I mean, it's the it's taking these roles that are so intimate. There, it's now in our lives so deeply, and we may not even see it as a potential threat. Well, and I, you know, really encourage people to reflect on some some questions here, such as: Are we really happier? Since these devices came to, into our lives, are we feeling like our relationships are better, richer, more meaningful? Are we more productive? Are we um, healthier? 
And in some cases, there are people that will say yes. Absolutely. These have helped me be more productive and and more connected, especially if you live long distance like I do from family. But in a lot of cases, I think the bigger problem is that we're not thinking about it. We're not mindful of what is that sweet zone, if you will, where these devices and and, and the power of media is helping and enhancing versus distracting and dulling and um, creating problems. But I just really encourage people to be mindful about it, to stop and sit back for a moment and ask themselves some questions. What is need, needful? What do I need? Right. Uh, what can I let go of? How many times a day do I really have to check my email? See, that's um, honestly because it's also a reactive event too, right? So it calls on us. So that little inner, that little, it's not necessarily a choice that we're cognitively making. Sometimes it's just a reaction to that little vibration or that little ping. Right. And, and I don't know if it's, um, I don't know what the root of that is, yeah. Matt, if it's people are really lonely and or insecure, feeling like, or it's status. I don't know what it is that we have this neurotic need to, well, what if somebody emailed me in the last 20 minutes? Or, what if I miss something? What if I miss something? And uh, it, it just fuels, you know, this, this larger pattern. I was with a group of um, young men and young women last night, a group of teenagers, and we were talking about media in our lives. And mm-hmm. I asked a question that I think is really valuable for all of us to consider, and that is, I called it my CSI media question. <laughs> and if, if the media you use and the amount of time that you use on devices every single day was the only thing that someone knew about you, what would they learn? What would it say? What would it reflect about your priorities, mm, that's about a great how question. you use time? What would it say? And would that media personality, if you will, mm-hmm. really reflect your top priorities and who you really are, and if it doesn't, why not? And what shifts or small changes would we have to make so that that media profile or media or technological footprint lines up with what matters most to us? Great question. What did they, what did they, what conclusions did they make, these teenagers? Well, you know, I asked it. I asked them to think about it. it we, we didn't open it up fully for discussion, mm-hmm. but it got people. Um, oh yeah. You know, I saw it in their eyes. Really, well, nobody's ever asked me about that before. Yeah. I haven't thought of it before, but it, it's worthwhile asking because more and more we're talking about our digital footprint, our carbon footprint, and and. I think it's a worthwhile question to reflect on. I love it. We just had our producer, Rob, you did, I don't know if you heard that, went through and did a little, a little evaluation of his Internet history. And he found out that of all the places he visits the most, he found out exactly what percentage of his time or day or searches or not searches, but his percentage of his time on sites was on Facebook, what percentage was on other like news-related sources. But you do learn a lot about who you are. And what if that's how you go down in history? Right. What if that's what they what, what if that's what they read at every funeral they read your history? <laughs> Yikes. Let's not go there. Or <laughs> we, go ahead. It doesn't need to be frightening. No, right? it could be the greatest thing really, in the world. If we really are doing this right, yeah. it could be a, a terrific um, declaration of yes. what mattered to us, what we were thinking about, who we were in touch with, what Love we said. It. But I think too many of us could cringe or, and I include myself in this. Yeah, you know, when I, I answer that question, I think, oh, you know, there's, there's some changes that could be made here, and, and I could spend more time here. Because don't all of us wish we had more time oh, to yeah. exercise or be with loved ones? Well, not exercise, but I wish I had more time to go save Twinkie and Hostess. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Pull them out of that spiral. fight, yeah. Oh, man, Jill, you're great. So we're talking to Dr. Jill Manning, uh, an expert. Uh, she's a marriage and family therapist out of uh, Denver, Colorado. PhD, she just really gets it. She's done a lot of research on addiction. And um, today we're talking about Internet or just technology. And are, are you addicted? And um, really, I guess better is are you using the media and the and the tools of the media, all this technology, to really represent your values and your principles. We're going to take a break. We'll be back with more of Dr. Jill Manning 
You're listening to the Matt Townsend Show right here on BYU Radio. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We're talking about a very prominent issue in modern-day households. If you think about it, media really does greatly influence the world we live in and our daily lives. It's something you can't really escape or avoid in the first world. I mean, you all are consuming media right now just listening to this. And with powerful forces like media and technology, we need to constantly be making efforts to make sure we are not consumed by them, that we maintain control of our lives and of our minds. So we just listened to the first part of an interview with Jill Manning, where she talked a little bit about the pros and cons and the impacts technology has on us personally and on our families. She said that a study came out claiming that more kids were addicted to Twitter than drugs or alcohol. And on the one hand, that could be a pretty good thing. But on the other hand, we need to be aware of the addictive qualities media has on us. She said that we need to ask ourselves, does our technology usage really make us happier and more productive, or are there destructive qualities and consequences of our technology usage? One thing I really like that she said we need to analyze in our own lives is, if your media usage was the only thing someone knew about you, what would they learn about you, and would it reflect your top priorities and reflect what you value most in life? Huh, what profound way to think about it. I actually have been thinking a lot about this recently in my own life, and so I decided to take 10 days off social media and see how it affected me. And while I was listening to this, I I realized that today is actually the 10th day, so technically I've finished my goal. But I, I really don't miss it much. Sometimes I even forgot that I wasn't using social media, and I think I didn't really notice that I wasn't using it anymore because... It wasn't adding that much to my life, but it was taking a lot from my life. I'm not saying it was all bad, but this exercise I've been doing has been beneficial to me to see that the way I was using social media before was taking a lot more from my life than it was giving. The benefits I was getting were communicating with my family and friends and staying updated on people's lives and being able to share my own life experiences and accomplishments But when I took a break from social media and just use communication apps like texting and calling and messaging, I feel like this past week I've been able to get the benefits of communication without the burden of comparison or lack of productivity. So that has been really enlightening to me so far. Okay, let's continue listening to this interview where Dr. Manning is going to tell us how we can know when technology has become problematic and what we should be doing to effectively manage our media usage better. So here's what we were ta- we've been talking about is I want you to get into maybe right now. We've only got a couple minutes, but can you give us a taste? What are some things we should be doing to kind of be a little more effective at, at managing our use of media, maybe cutting back a little bit? What are some things? And then we'll take a break. And then when we come back, we'll spend a, a big, long chunk of time giving you other solutions and ideas. So what should we be doing, Jill, to make sure we're um, – we're really starting to engage and address the issue. Okay, well, there, there are a few things. And because it's Thanksgiving week, in the spirit of Thanksgiving, the first point I would make is that we need to have a, a sense of how fortunate we are to have access to what we do. Never before in the history of humankind have we had such quick and ready access to mountains of information. Oh, yeah. And so I think, to, you know, this week for us to reflect on how how grateful really we should be for what we have um, in the area of of technology and what we have access to and and the incredible media that is available for to uplift us and teach us and help us communicate and be a force for good in the world. Hmm. So that's the first thing in in the spirit of things. Yeah, we don't want to make it sound like it's just all bad. I mean, we, there's really a lot that we are so fortunate to be, to have at our fingertips. Well, it's an incredibly powerful tool. We and were, I think that's the draw. Yeah. And, and just like anything, it can get excessive. Anything good, if taken to an excess, can, can get into a different, it's you so, know, 
It's so true. We were sitting there. It was the weirdest thing. We were sitting in church, okay, having a, a nice little Sunday lesson. And somebody made a comment um, about a character on um, Napoleon Dynamite show. Um, I can't remember. But it was about the brother-in-law that's a cage fighter. And, or the brother that's a cage fighter. Anyway, somebody made a comment. And nobody remembered the guy's name. And right then, 10 young men, about 15, actually 18, 17 years old, pull out their phones. And they're all racing to go get this guy's name. And I think, holy cow, what if they were, like, racing to learn more about the Bible or racing to learn more about – I mean, really, the technology is ours to use if we can just use it. Right, and, and use it for good. Yeah, it's and, powerful. Um, and, and then that would be the second point is to recognize its power. Its power for good, but also its power to cause problems for us and to be um, even a destructive force for us. Yeah. You know, you talk about pornography and, and that kind of thing. It really can be destructive. But so I think recognizing its power and just um, I love that one. Let's do this. Okay. Jill, let's take a break. We'll uh, we'll take a break. We'll come back. We're talking to Dr. Jill Manning about the proper healthy use and and media choices. We'll be back after this on the Matt Townsend Show on BYU Radio. Thanks for sticking with us. I'm Leanna Tan, and this is The Matt Townsend Show. We're listening to an interview with Matt and Jill Manning about finding balance in technology usage and becoming masters of media consumption. In the last segment, Jill said that there's a range of problematic technology usage, anywhere from just wasting more time and losing productivity to developing compulsive, risky behaviors. She reminded us that we need to be grateful for technology and recognize its positive power and benefits and the access of information we have at our fingertips more than anyone in the history of the world has ever had. But we also need to tame this force. We need to ask ourselves how we feel without our devices. Are we anxious and dependent or do we feel in control? And we need to discover if we really are managing that part of our lives. I mentioned this before, but this past week and a half, I've been doing an experiment where I've taken a break from social media to see how it affects me. And while I've been doing this, I did some other things to limit my distractions. I organized all of my apps into different bins on my phone so that they aren't just staring at me right in the face. I actually have to click on the bin and then open up what app I want. So my app usage is a lot more deliberate now. And I also deleted anything that I thought was unnecessary. Like I had one game on there, the only game I have ever had on my phone, and some shopping apps. And I turned off all of my notifications. And when I did that, I realized how many notifications I would get daily that I had never thought about. My phone, when I started out, had all of these different apps open. I hadn't even realized were eating up my time. And I'm not even a huge social media fanatic. But I realized I was tempted every time a notification came up on my phone to click on it and browse through social media and see what other people were up to. And then it's just human nature to have your mind wander into comparison, comparing your life to others' lives. I know it happens to every single one of you. You're like, wow, they're having so much fun. Wow, they're such a cute couple. Wow, they are so fit. You know, whatever it is. That is the time that comparison creeps into our minds. And I noticed that without the extra medium throwing messages of comparison at me every day, I have been able to focus more on things I'm grateful for and my goals for self-improvement. And it's given me a little bit more of a clear mind to do that. I've also been able to cross off more of those little things on my to-do list that I never get done. And this week, my husband and I have had more time socializing in person with more friends than any other week in these past few months. And it seems like it wouldn't make that much of a difference. But all of those seemingly trivial minutes of life ticking away as I'm scrolling through my technology devices add up a lot at the end of the day. I don't notice it because it's spread out through the day. But if I took time at the end of each night to tally up all the time I spent on my device or thinking about what I just saw on social media, it's probably enough time to have, you know, a round of dessert with my husband at the dinner table or 
give my parents a call or get a few more things checked off my to-do list. And I think what Jill is saying here is to be aware of these things. She isn't trying to say that we all need to get off our phones and iPads and all technology and get rid of social media usage. But maybe we all need to do an exercise like this where we take a break and during that break, we reflect on how our usage is affecting our lives. And like Jill said, decide what small changes we need to make to have our technology use reflect what's most important in our lives. So let's listen to this last little bit of this interview where she goes into more detail of how to create some tech-free zones and build healthier media lives. Jill, where do we begin? How do we make a tech-free zone? What should we be doing? You've asked some great kind of reflective questions as as we've been going through today. Well, and you know, this isn't. This is really quite simple. You're creating a tech-free zone in our in our life. Um, there's not a lot to instruct, really. Um, a couple of things. One, I would say for people to to do an inventory of their priorities. What really matters to you, and does your media use line up with that? Does your media use and technology in your home or work or school, does it line up and help you be more productive and enjoy those things that matter most to you? That's a and great so question. Like a, a little inventory. You know, if you jot down, you know, these five or these seven or these ten things matter most, and then reflect on and do an inventory of how you use media and technology, and do they line up? That do might be a great question parents can ask. Like maybe take a... During dinner, they can ask their kids, look, I learned this thing on the radio today. What was the question exactly that, they, that you think they should ask? What are the things that are most important to us? And does, do those things get reflected in how we use our time, including how, we, how much time and, and what kind of media we use? And, and, you know, and then... The other thing is just identifying, is there a time in the day or week for some families that really matters to you or that you would like to have matter more? Hmm. For example, dinner time. Yeah. More and more families are not enjoying a meal together. And so in our home, that's really important. So in our home, that's a time we call, you know, that's a tech-free zone. There's no TV. There's no radio. There, the phones are turned off, put away. Um, and we just really enjoy that time, time to discuss, time to, I love to cook, time to just enjoy food and, and discuss travel plans or things we're looking forward to in the year. I cherish that time, and I know many other people do too. And so maybe that may not be the time for your family that you wish to have right. be a tech-free zone. Maybe it's another time. Maybe it's on Sunday or, or Saturday morning, having breakfast together or going for a bike ride. Whatever it may be, it really doesn't matter. But that we have some time in our life where peace and quiet and connection can be fostered. Because I really fear that many of our younger people don't know the value of peace and quiet. Their rooms, their schools, their homes, their cars, everything is inundated with messages and, and, and uh, agendas and imagery and sound. But really helping by showing the way and being an example of this, that there is value for peace and quiet. And I think this week especially, Matt, it's so valuable for, for parents especially to consider all of this because we're starting the time of year where people buy more electronics than any other time of the year. Right. There's the biggest sales, biggest promotions. We're just going to get blasted in the next month and a half of buy, 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 and this is why you need the latest and biggest and brightest and fastest, this, that, and the other when it comes to technology and electronics. You know, currently in the United States, the average young person owns 3.5 mobile devices. Oh, my heavens. And that, young yeah, people, I've totally believed that. In, yeah, in a, in a study just released in, uh, by the American Associ- Association of Pediatrics just this last year said that on average, children in the United States spend just slightly more than seven hours a day uh. involved in some sort of media. So the reason why I mention that is as we get into the holiday buying season and we think, oh, my child would love this, or oh, our family really needs one of those, yeah. I would invite people to really ask, okay, again, what are our priorities? What are the values we want to foster? What do we want our children to learn? 
And is that gadget really necessary to move those goals forward? Or maybe the board game may be a better alternative. Now, I know that there's probably some executive listening somewhere that is Yeah, don't mention that, right. Just cringing at what I'm saying. <laughs> but really, we, we just have such an abundance of this. Right. And I do think there's place for considering um, how we could have moments and times carved out in our days and weeks and year where there's quiet and there's connection and we just spend time together, playing together, talking together, eating together without those interruptions, oh, yeah. without that barrage of, of ringtones and all the rest. Well, it's interesting. I had, a, I had a woman I was talking to that's a grandmother and she has a little um, basket at her front door. So when the kids and the parents and everybody come over to visit grandma, she has a really beautiful basket that's got a nice uh, like towel or some really cozy little place. And she has everybody put their phone and technology <laughs> device in the basket. So you have that's to check great. it in. It's like a coat check. But she, <laughs> when you walk into grandma's house, your phone goes in the basket, period. And you don't that's go back great. to the basket till you're walking out. And she, she's pretty much demanding it. Like, hey, I love you all and everything, but... I don't have a lot of – she kind of guilts him. I don't have a lot of time left on this earth. So if you love me, put your phone in my little basket and come spend some time with grandma. So as a grandparent, even grandparents could be sticking their nose in a little bit and just saying, hey, can we just have some time here? Right. It might be interesting because it seems like maybe grandparents are the ones that could uniquely teach us this. Because they could tell us about their childhood. I mean, there's a lot of great conversations that could go on there that we're missing because we just aren't trying, I guess. Well, this is a combined effort, I'm convinced. You know, I, being a, a, a mom of, of little ones myself, I know how much work goes into packing kids up and dressing them up to go out, you know, to the park or to an outing of some sort. And so often, we had a membership pass to the zoo this last year, the Denver Zoo. Oh, wow. And most times when I was there, I just was stunned at how many parents have taken the same amount of work I have to get little ones there, and they're with their kids at the zoo, but they're on their phones the oh. whole time. And, you know, so you think if we're going to put in that effort to be somewhere, be there. If you're going to do something fun with your kids, be with them. Really take those moments and be with them. I, I just salute that grandma for what she's done yeah. with the basket. Well, sure, and she offends everybody. But it doesn't, hey, I mean, I really. Want... But be there. Why else are we here, right? Right. You've, you paid your admission to the zoo. <laughs> Go to the zoo. It's so be true. Be with your kids at the zoo. And, and I think that's just a great metaphor for all sorts of things, you know, going on in our lives. Yeah. If, if we're going to put in that effort and set the stage for some of these things to happen, be there. Savor it. Enjoy it. I love the idea, too, that you have of, um, of, of rituals. Families need traditions and rituals. And so you could almost take some of these kind of uh, tech-free zones and make it such a wonderful routine or a wonderful ritual that the kids don't even know they're missing their phone. They don't even, I mean, it could be so fulfilling. Like, if I sit with my kids and we play a game, I have a girl and five boys. So the minute we – it doesn't matter what we do. As long as we bring one ball, we've got a game. And so if I sit my kids in the living room and we just start throwing a ball around, every kid will eventually appear. And the technology has got to go away or they're going to get hit by a ball. Right. And, and so once we start playing, it can be so fulfilling that they'll naturally be drawn to the more uh, engaged, maybe the more important thing, and, and overlooks maybe the le- less important thing as well. Right. Now, on the flip side, in all fairness, because I'm sure there are listeners, Matt, that have a favorite video game or sure. something related to technology that they do as a family. Yeah. And that there is a place for, you know, I mean, one of our favorite things to do is to watch a movie with popcorn, hot chocolate, and sit down all together, cozy up with our big blankets, and, and it's, it's really fun. But that's not an everyday thing. Yeah. Right. That's something we enjoy once in a while as a special family treat. And so there is a time and place, for sure, for some of our traditions and rituals to incorporate media. But it's, it's, we need to make sure it's not excessive, yeah. that we are teaching and modeling how to think and be and, and 
have time to ponder and study and just enjoy quiet because as you know we know you and I know yeah. um, that's so necessary to get answers and ideas and, and creativity in our lives to go in the directions that we need to go. And I, I think you're right, too, what you said earlier, that we I don't know that we know the ramifications of this. Like, what are the ramifications of a child that doesn't know peace and quiet? You know, what are the ramifications of a person that can't be present in their own life? This is going to – this is there's going to have to be a check. There's going to have to be a bill paid here. Somewhere there's going to be a bill to pay. Um, and, and so I guess part of it is let's start anticipating the need right now and, and, and maybe as parents step up and, and we really have to model it, don't we? We can't just hope that our kids are going to want it. We just have to maybe model healthier behavior. Oh, definitely. Model it and also engage them in it with us. You know, that we have those quiet moments together uh, where th- everything else is shut off. Yeah. You know, that when we're reading with our family, reading a good book or getting into a, a novel together or just telling a story together, that if the phone rings, no, it's okay. This is our time. Yeah. We, oh, yeah. we place a priority on that time. Um, you know, and, and another point that we haven't discussed yet is, is that of integrity. Do we show integrity in our media use, in our media selections, in our profiles, in what we share and pass on and what we write or text, is that person who we really are? Or do we live a double life in right. media? Isn't that true, though? Because I mean, and, and, that's the neat thing about having a Facebook profile is you can be anything you want to be. Mm-hmm. You can be a superhero riding a unicorn into the sunset. <laughs> but it doesn't make it true, does it, Jill? Well, no, and we, we just have this whole world, um, this virtual world that I fear we don't have enough discussion about what virtual citizenship entails and what our responsibilities are in the virtual world, how we be um, examples and, and leaders and, and um, be ourselves in that virtual world and, and teach our children how to do that. So often, again, I was with a, a youth group a year and a half ago, and we had a, a discussion about integrity online. And so many of them had never thought of that before. Now, I don't believe for a minute that their parents had not taught them right. to treat people well and to be kind and, and not be rude. I, you know, those things have happened, but so often our young people haven't had that really broken down and translated for them as to how it applies online or on an online video game, or um, in what they write and say. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it is. I think you're right. In fact, we're going to have to have you back, Jill, because that is a great topic, just kind of our community responsibility, or our responsibility to the Internet community, to the technologies that we're using. What What is our responsibility? And, and maybe those are... Those are conversations that I guess, too, we should be having in these moments where we're just starting to ask these more profound questions with our family. Oh, well, I would love to be back anytime. We will, for sure. I I so appreciate you, Jill, because you're, you really, there's a realistic side here, and you're not like trying to be preachy, and you're not trying to demean it and just say it's not important. Technology's powerful, but it's, we should still be the masters of it, right? We shouldn't, we just can't let it take over. It should help our lives. It shouldn't be burdensome or cause stress in our lives. Yeah. And, and I say that chuckling, thinking of how often my computer causes me stress and I want to just throw it out the window. Yeah. Um, you know, it's great when it's, everything's working, yeah. everything's updated. It's a lot easier, isn't it? Um, but it, it really does. It, it creates a new type of stress yeah. in, in this new era that uh, it, we need to factor in and, and work with that in ways that it doesn't get out of control and, and we keep everything in check in a, in a healthy place. That's right. Dr. Jill Manning, so appreciate you. Again, Dr. Manning is the author of the book entitled What's the Big Deal About Pornography? and also of an audio CD entitled Let's Talk About the Elephant in the Room. Go check those out. She, uh, she really knows her stuff. Dr. Jill Manning, appreciate you joining us. We'll be back right here on the Matt Townsend Show on BYU Radio.
and we're back with the rest of today's Matt Townsend episode. We just finished an interview with Jill Manning about technology and media use in our lives and how we can find balance and use technology to our advantage. She said it's so important for us to take an inventory of our priorities and see how media and technology magnify and progress and implement our priorities rather than get in the way of or diminish them. She said to make sure we know, as well as the rest of our family, learns to find value in peace and quiet, and that entertainment doesn't have to come from a screen or from a device. One thing she said was to think about if there's a time of day or week that you want to matter more in your home, and think about turning off your devices during that time. But I had an idea the other day that I brought up with my husband, and I'll admit this might be crazy, but... What if social media was actually a real-life social activity? I think where a lot of spouses and kids can get in trouble is when they use social media as a private activity. And I think that's how we've always thought of it. This is my account. These are my friends. These are my expressions of my feelings. But what if kids or spouses turned off social media all day except for dinner time? And then during dinner, that's when you could show your parents or your spouse what's going on in the lives of your extended circle. And together you can talk about the different events and parents can talk to their kids about the posts that they're seeing and help them learn to interpret them in a healthy way instead of always turning to comparison. I don't know. Just a thought. But enough from me. Let's hear from another expert. How about Matt Townsend himself? I'm going to finish off today's episode by playing back a relevant coaching corner for you about how to use technology mindfully. Ah, technology. Yes, I love technology. (laughs) Uh, A little Napoleon Dynamite there. Um, I love technology, and yet it's supposed to, you know, ideally increase some connectivity, right? These phones, all the technology should be helping us get closer with those we love. So in the Coach's Corner today, I wanted to spend a little bit of time talking about how we can enable technology in our lives without disabling the family. And if the goal is connectivity, connectivity is defined like this. It's the state or quality of being connected, the ability to link and to communicate with others. So it doesn't just mean we get a good Wi-Fi signal. That That's great. That's probably the easy side of connectivity. The hard side is when you want to connect humans and make sure that we understand those around us and make sure that we listen and we pay attention. And so uh, let me give you some tools that might help your family in the age of technology and connectivity to connect a little bit more effectively and how to manage your technology use. One of the first principles and rules is Look look at your technology as a magnifying lens, not the boogeyman, right? Not the evil, dangerous, you know, cancer plague that is destroying our youth. Sure, it's impacting our kids a lot. But when I say it's a magnifying lens, technology really is your friend. It's not your enemy. Many would love to just sit there and blame technology for all of the problems in their lives, for the fact that their children are distant, for the fact that their kids don't get good grades, the fact that they're looking at stuff online that they shouldn't be seeing, for their overeating because they sit in front of TV or their their obesity because they never exercise. But another way to look at technology is not just to blame it for everything, but maybe look at it as a magnifying lens. Meaning what happens with technology is it's going to magnify your natural tendencies anyway. If, if you have a tendency to get a little lazy and not exercise, having technology and cable TV and Wi-Fi and Netflix is probably only going to magnify your inherent weakness. It does with me. If I love to just escape in a movie – then the technology is going to, you know, shine a light on that and grow and, and grow it and, and embolden it. So it's not necessarily the cause of your problems, but it is magnifying and exposing your biggest weaknesses. If you have a self-esteem weakness and getting online on Facebook, 
Facebook may not just be driving and causing your self-esteem problems as you look at the neighbors who are all doing so much better than you. It's just magnifying the fact that you have kind of a natural inclination to have lower self-esteem. And that's how you use it to magnify the weakness. So make sure you're pointing that out and, and focus as a family on and be real. Like really look at yourself and ask, what am I doing with my technology that's, that's harming me? And was the, is that not a problem if I didn't have the technology? Would I not naturally just find my way to waste that time anyway? So think of magnifying lens as, as, as a, think of technology as a magnifying lens, not as the boogeyman. Another rule, get better, not busy. One of the things that um, we, we spend a lot of time doing with our technology is we try to use it to just get more done. And the sad thing about getting more done is many times we spend all day doing things that we didn't need to do, that weren't even important to do. So instead of just using your your tools and your devices to get a lot more done, let's make sure we're actually improving, right? Let's make sure we're actually getting better. Make sure that you actually are changing and improving, not just being entertained. One of my children um, is on his phone constantly, and we sit there and we have discussions in our house, and out of nowhere, he pulls statistics, he pulls information, he pulls very relevant lessons and, and data that I had never known. And I ask him where he gets it, and he's like, oh, I saw that on YouTube. He actually uses YouTube to go learn. He knows so much, but he's learned it on YouTube. And, uh, you know, it used to be we would learn that in school. He knows so much. Uh, he can. He just sits there, yeah, well, the sun is this far from the, the earth and the earth is this far from. And he's just learned it on YouTube. It's not enough to just use the technology to keep us entertained and busy. Let's, and even just chit-chatting and talking or finding the next great video that's moving and motivational. Not that there's anything wrong with that. But there's also a point that you, you ought to be able to not have to go to your phone to escape, but instead go now implement what you're learning. Like the question I always ask uh, the people and the couples I work with, what's one thing right now, if you did it right now, would positively impact your life? What's one thing? Can you think of one thing? Let's say you've even, you've even thought about doing it for years. What's, what's that one thing? Well, look, you already know. There's something you can go do right now. Why aren't we doing that? I don't know. I'm busy. Well, you're not busy on Netflix. So what we might want to do is when we have that one thing, if we don't know how to do it, we don't know how to do it effectively, use your technology to go get ideas on how to do the one thing that you know you need to go do. Use your technology to be an alarm to get you up earlier to go do that one thing. Make sense? The goal, getting better, not just staying busy. The goal of technology is to help advance us as humans, make us more human, more humane, not just more busy. Another rule, maximize the micro moments. Research from Dr. Barbara Fredrickson, author of Love uh, 2.0, Creating Happiness and Health in Moments of Connection. She describes what she calls the power of the micro connections or moments of connection that are so important to our communication. Fredrickson's research suggests that love of another is not some constant, all-encompassing emotion we feel throughout the day, but instead love is a small micro-moment where we share a caring feeling or emotion. So when you think you love your family, loving of a family is not, that's, that's, That concept is not a constant concept because you're not constantly thinking about loving your family. That that love would be made up of micro moments throughout the day where in a loving way for a short period of time, you are connecting in and serving and taking care of your family. She argues it's the micro moments really that are the major drivers of health and can dramatically improve your use of technology. So why not use our technology to create more micro moments. Text your son, hey, do you want to go on a walk today? My son's on campus here at BYU. I'm asking him, do you want to go on a walk today? Micro moment. 
Hey, how would, how did that test go? Micro moment. What did your friends say about whatever? Micro moment. So think of your life not just as big events. Well, we took our kids to Disneyland. That's so great. It might be better to have days full of micro moments, just little moments here and there where you express your love, you show your love, you care. And last but not least, we need to power up our will, our willpower, right? So the final area we need to improve if we want to make our technology our servant, not our master, is we're going to have to start to to have some more willpower. And the fastest way I've ever found to grow willpower is to have some rules, some won't power, some things we just won't do. So if you want your kids to have more and more willpower with their phones, they need more rules. It sounds horrible, but the rules allow them to exercise their will and turn off the phone or put the phones away, right? Turn off the TV. And the more they have to exercise turning off the TV when they don't want to, the willpower will grow. It's, you know, it's the ability to do something you don't want to do, but you do it because you have a higher need, higher purpose. And willpower, it's not just something we just talk about. It's something we can actually do. You could take a, have a regular technology fast where you could say every Sunday from morning till 5 o'clock at night, no technology. You can have a phone time when all the phones are turned off and turned in. In our house, we don't want the phones up in our kids' rooms. You might have a book time when only books can be uh, in the house. We're only reading books. We're not on our phones. You could have exercise times where maybe once in a while you go exercise as a family. You go play tennis as a family. You go do an activity as a family, and we put the phones away. Spend some time writing letters, visiting people, goal-setting. But the simple rule is let's spend more time exercising will. And when you do that, they'll learn to power up. So the four rules, very basically, to help us connect better without destroying the family. Think magnifying lens, not boogeyman. Get better, not busy. Maximize the micro moments and power up your will. If you want more information on those, you can go to my uh, website. We'll post those on my blog at uh, matttownsend.com. That's the Coach's Corner. You're listening to the Matt Townsend Show right here on BYU Radio. More great advice on how to tame the digital forces that surround us. I like how Matt reminded us that connectivity doesn't mean getting a great Wi-Fi signal or recharging your phone. It's the ability to link and communicate with others. It's ironic, I know, but the goal of technology is not to make us become robotic, but to help us become more human. So take advantage of those micro moments in your life and let technology help you amplify those. Well, thanks for listening to today's episode, everyone. Remember, no matter how powerful the forces of technology become, we will always be its master. I'm Leanna Tan, bringing you the best tidbits to help you live healthier, happier lives. Join me again next time for another episode of Matt Townsend.